um, just make sure you get that done by midnight tonight. And then one other thing that I want to mention is our uh, Dinners for Eight program. Uh, how many of you have done that this last? Look at that, look how many. Okay, it is so much fun. Like at the end of this last session, our group that we've been meeting with actually said, please don't mix this up. Don't mix this up and put us with anybody else because we want to stay with the same group. So I want to encourage you, if you have not been a part of that and you consider JSC Parker your home church, it would be amazing. It's a great way to get to meet some new people. Um, we do every four months where we mix it up and put you with a new group of people. But for those four months, you get to meet um, with the same group of people. It's only once a month. So it's one evening once a month. It's not a huge commitment, but I'm telling you, it is so worth the investment to get involved with the people here. So uh, we're going to have signups next week. We'll be out at the Orange Wall. I'm telling you this ahead of time so you can talk with your uh, with your spouse or your family or whatever to figure out if that's something that you want to do because it really is a, it's a great thing. So um, I think the last thing is I get to introduce our guest speaker today. Let me just tell you. He is so amazing. I'm telling you, I listen to him speak all the time, like all the time, and and he's absolutely amazing. So if you're new here, you might not know it is my husband. So that's why I listen to him speak all the time. So yes, but anyways, uh, Pastor Jack, or I
when I look at the people, the people, that's that's why I got into the whole pastoral business, people thought. It's because of the people. When I look around and I see the faces and I see the lives and I see the people who are saying, hey, I want to connect here. I want to, I want this to be my spiritual thing. And the fact that I'm, that DM and we're sensing this so early in church, it's miraculous. It doesn't always happen this way. And I just want to say a big thank you to you all because honestly, it's a dream come true. And there's a meaning in our hearts that is something that is truly of the Holy Spirit. And we're so thankful and grateful and we don't want to take it for granted. So thank you for starting a very good So, And now we're getting ready for a whole new year. Who knows what God's got in store next year? Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, well, on that note, I am ready to get going. You guys ready to hear the message? All right, here we go. So I want to start off this message, and I want to talk to you guys about something that every single one of us deal with. There's not one person in this room that is not exempt from this. Doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Doesn't matter what gender you are. Doesn't matter how much you make, how much you don't make. It doesn't matter where you work or if you don't work. It doesn't matter if you're married or you're not married. Life always brings trouble. Life always has a way of having trials and pressure put on us. No matter how old or how young we are, it looks different, it feels different, we respond to it differently, but every single one of us, not always, but throughout our life, we will experience trouble. My question to you is this, why is it that it seems like some people deal with trouble better than others? Is it just because of a personality trait? Is it just because of just your demeanor? What is it that helps give us strength through troubled times? You know, I think about we all go through trials and tribulations and difficulties. And I'm starting off heavy, but don't worry, we'll get there, we'll get to the good stuff. That's the way the gospel is. You gotta start with the heavy, you gotta get to the good. Because you gotta, guys, let's let's be real. This is life. Would you guys all agree? Life is going to be that way. Whether you're a Christian and you're serving God with all of your heart, or you find yourself being so far away from we all deal with trouble. But how, how does God seem to give us strength to get through the trouble? I think about, I think about a time when uh, being a pastor for a number of years, one of the privileges I have is doing weddings, baptisms. One of the challenges I have are funerals. And a few years ago, um, I had the privilege and the challenge of doing a couple funerals within a couple years of each other. And it was literally the most difficult funerals I ever had to deal with. And the reason why, it's one thing when you do a funeral for somebody who's been serving the Lord and they're dying at 80, 90 years old. That's a homecoming, that's a good one. Those are the ones that you're like, okay, here we go. But what happens when it's a young man that's in his early 20s? What happens when it's a man who just comes out of college, he just graduated, and he's up at his mom and dad's place up in the mountains and gets struck by lightning? 
his whole, whole, whole life ahead of him. How do you minister to a family in a place like that? The other, the other funeral, young 20-year-old man drives off an off-ramp on purpose and kills himself in an auto accident. Two tragic trials for those parents. Today, one set is married, happily married, working through the difficulty of that. The other one, separate and struggling. What is it that causes some people to get through the trial? And what is it that causes others to feel like they're hanging by a thread and snap. My answer to you is found in the Word of God. It's found in Isaiah 40, 31. It's a very common verse. It's a verse that a lot of us have read at one time or another or seen in a picture or a frame or something like that. But it's got what I call a lot of juice. It's got a lot of good truth. And it goes like this. It says, Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I think you guys know where I'm going with this today. It's hope. Hope. Hope is the thing that you and I are given by God to give us the strength to get through the stuff that you and I have to deal with. Because God knew beforehand that you were going to face trouble. And he wants to give you and I the strength that we need to get us through. Now, the kind of hope that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about this, like, you know, oh, wishy-washy, oh, I hope everything is going to be okay. It's not this, like, good feeling of, oh, just believe the best. Everything's going to be okay. If you believe it in your heart, it's going to be fine. I'm not talking about that kind of faith. I'm not even talking about the biblical kind of faith that says, you know what, you and I, we have a hope in the Lord that someday we will be in heaven. See, a lot of Christians sometimes, they see hope as just that, oh, that's for the later stuff. And I'm going to show you today how that hope is actually strength for the today, not just for the tomorrow. Thank God, many of you guys are in agreement, thank God that tomorrow is taken care of, right? But how many of you know we need some hope for today? Speaking of hope for today, talking about trials, and tribulations. Um, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but there was um, there was a shooting um, that was not too far from here this morning, and it was very close to here. And actually, I have my friend Chris. He's going to come up and he's going to take just a couple minutes and uh, talk to you about that. And uh, we're going to act on that real quick. Chris, thank you, Pastor Jack. Good morning, guys. My name's Chris. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a deputy with Elwood County Sheriff's Office. About five minutes. Um, we had a pretty bad tragedy in Douglas County this morning. For those of you guys who have read the news, 
Um, there is a suspect who did not like law enforcement. Um, uh, officers and deputies went to his residence and, uh, and there was an altercation. Um, five deputies wound up getting struck and one of them paid the ultimate price this morning. So it's a, it's a pretty sad day for, for law enforcement. There's also a couple other people in the apartment complex there that also got hurt. But um, I just want to take a moment, um, if we could just, you know, if we could just offer up a word for our first responders, that'd be great. And um, yeah, let's just do that. So, Father God, we thank you for our first responders out there who put their lives on the line every day. Lord, um, your word, Matthew 5 9. Said, Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they are the they are to be called the sons of God. And um, God, we don't know why this occurred this morning, Lord, but we know that you are in control ultimately. And um, God, we thank you for their service. Uh, we pray for speed recovery for those that were injured. And um, Lord, we pray for your edge of protection around our, our first responders, our our deputies, our officers, every day that they go out and on that badge and that best on that ground. We pray that they come home safely every day. Amen. Um, so, anyway, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of times in moments like this where um, officers and deputies may look at the community and go, "Oh, everybody is against us. You know, nobody likes us." So, if you guys get the chance over the next you know, week, two weeks, something like that. If you run into a deputy, run into an officer, thank them for their service. So the reason why Chris come up and, and come up, it, it just further illustrates, and we don't have to uh, belabor this point, but sometimes it's so easy when we get into our church circles that we try to focus so much on the good that we're almost like an ostrich sticking our heads in the sand and not dealing with the reality that's in front of us. And thank God at JFC, I don't feel like it, that happens at JFC, but it is important to, as we're going forward with this whole thing that we recognize the reality that's in front of us, which is that there's trials and there's troubles all around us. But the beautiful thing is that you and I, we don't have to sit in a place of fear and of trepidation and of depression, but we can break out of that. We can go, no, my God is with me and my God will help me and strengthen me and he will get me through this. Amen? But the question I is if Christians have that hope, why is it that sometimes we find a number of them, speaking of myself included, so I'm not judging everybody and not including me, but why is it that it seems like sometimes we're just hanging by a thread? Have you ever found yourself in a place like that? Where you feel like you're just hanging by a thread and it's so easy for the pressures of life to cause you to stay? If, if hope is something that you give to your people, why is it that I feel at times 
that I'm just standing by the throne. You guys ready to do a little Bible study to help you understand why, why that happens to us and how to avoid that? That's really my ultimate heart's desire, is to show you guys how do we avoid handling my threat? Because here's the reality and here's the truth of the situation. You and I, according to the word of God, never, ever have to hang by a thread again. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you never have to find yourself hanging by a thread. I didn't say you'll never find yourself in a difficult situation, but I am saying you never have to be hanging by a thread. So we're going to do a little thing called a word study. Some of you guys know what that is. Some of you don't know what it is. So in that verse that I just showed you, uh, Jeff, can you put Isaiah 40, 31 back up for me? Or whoever's back there, Art? Awesome. So right here, but those who hope in the Lord. Okay, the word hope right there. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. Okay, that's the language of the people of Israel. Hebrew is a very pictorial language. So if you really want to understand what the word means, you need to understand the picture. Okay? And the word hope in Hebrew is the word, let's see if they can get it up on the slides there. Can you go to the two types of hopes? You don't have the two types of hopes? No. Okay. Is the word kabah. Everybody say kabah. My Hebrew teacher told me, hey, to take out the intimidation of the word, you just got to say it. Say kabah. Kabah. Okay. So kabah literally means a cord or a rope. Okay, a cord or a rope. Okay, it's kind of like this cord here. A little bit bigger than the thread, right? Holds it for a thousand pounds. So Greg, you're covered, bro. You're good, man. You're good. Even you, we can get you in there. All right, so check it out here. So a cord, there's actually two Hebrew names for the word cord or rope. And it depends on how you use the cord, which determines which word you use. So the first word is kabah. That is the word that we get uh, from Isaiah 40, 31, okay? And that word literally means a cord used to attach to something. To attach to something, okay? And stay with me, this is gonna be the heady part of the message, all right? Then we'll get out of it real quick and then you'll see the application of it. The other word is the word kaveh. Everybody say kaveh. See, so kaveh is also a rope, it's also a cord, but it's used to bind something. That is not the word that is used in Isaiah 40, 31. The word is kavah, which means to attach to something. Now, as I was looking at that, I'm like, God, where is, what, what is, what is that? There's something there. Sometimes when you're doing a word study, it's like, the word life means life. And you're like, Great, right, thanks, you know. But, but then there's sometimes as you're doing the study that you go, ooh, there's something there. you got to dig a little bit for it. And here's what God was showing me. God was showing me is that, Jack, a lot of times in life, what people do with their hope is they convey it. What they do is they bind up their hope in a particular outcome. They bind up their hope and they go, God, if you will just 
do this for me. If you will just fix my marriage, if you'll just take care of my job, if you'll just heal me, if you'll just help my grandparents stay alive, then I will be held together. I won't fall apart. See? Think on that. When you put your hope in an outcome rather than in the Lord, you will often find yourself hope slipping. You'll find your hope getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Why is that? Because your hope is in an outcome. It's bound to an outcome. But when you and I, we put our hope and we attach ourselves to the Lord, and you go, okay, God, I'm with you. You're with me. Here we go. It is in that place where you and I will find ourselves not hanging by a thread, but being renewed in our strength. Why? Because we know that we are attached to the living God, the one who created heaven and earth, the sound of his voice. There's power. That is the God that you and I are attached to. That is the God that you and I, if we attach ourselves to him, we will find our hope being renewed. We'll find strength in the difficult times. So I want to tell you a little story about what happened to me. And honestly, I didn't learn this when I was going through it. It's one of those lessons that you learn as you look back, you go, oh, that's what was going on. Okay? And it goes like this. Dion and I, uh, John's, John's our oldest. By the way, a little shout out to my sons here. John, I'm going to raise your hand. We got Joel there, and then we got Josh and JoJo, who I'm going to be talking about, is over on the other side hanging out with the kids over there. So, but John was about seven. JoJo, the youngest, was just a little over one. And a lot of you guys have already heard the story, so I won't take a lot of time with it, but it shows, it illustrates the point that we're talking about here. And that's this, is that uh, JoJo's just a little bit over one. Dion and I are sitting here going, thanking the Lord, going, man, JoJo, he is such a quiet boy for having four boys. Thank you, Lord, for one of them being smart, you know? And we're just thinking, man, everything's great, right? Well, anyways, uh, over a course of circumstances, we end up doing this hearing test because we're actually a little concerned that he's not hearing well. So mom goes in uh, while JoJo's sleeping in the crib and she gets the pots and the pans and the, and the spoons and we're banging on it and he is just a solid sleeper. And I'm like, hey, that's no big deal. That's the way I am. You know, <laughs> I can sleep through anything. You know, you just got my gene. He's fine. So we test the fire alarm. Nothing. Sound as a baby, literally, right? And it totally quiet. And so we're like, oh man, there's, maybe there's something up with that. So we take him into the doctor the first time, and we do a, another hearing test. We did the newborn hearing test, and they actually passed, and that's a whole other story. I don't want to get into that right now. But we go in there, and they're like, well, we're not sure we think. And then we do a couple more hearing tests, and we get to the one where they kind of put him to sleep um, and hook him up to the little electrodes on the brain, and they were doing his tubes anyway. And so Dion and I, while he's having this procedure, he's 15, 
14, 15 months old. Dion and I were sitting out in the waiting room in the outpatient surgery, and we're just sitting there going, we have no idea what's in front of us. I just remember offering up a little prayer to the Lord, and um, I heard God's voice, not like literally, but just to the side. I heard his voice, and it's clear. It's, when you hear God's voice, you remember it years later. And it's helped me for many, many years. And this is what he says to me. He says, Jack, don't be alarmed. You're not going to like what you hear. But trust me. I have a plan. He didn't come back and say, he said, hope for the best, Jack. Hope it's better. He said, Jack, trust me. I have a plan. You see, it was at that point in my life when supposed to be a slipknot. Didn't work quite as well this time. That's all right. But it's good enough for now. It was at that point that I realized I had a choice. Was I going to sit there and bite my hope to an outcome that I was hoping for? You know what I was hoping the doctor was going to come out and say? You know, there was just a bunch of fluid in the back of his eardrum, and we got it drained, and everything's okay. That was the outcome I wanted. That was the outcome Dion But you know, that wasn't the outcome. But in God's wisdom, he knew I needed to hear, Jack, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Yes, God, I trust you. The doctor comes out. The doctor says to us, your son is profoundly deaf in both ears. And that word that I heard was like an anchor in the swell, in the swells of life at that time for Dion and Jack Dodge. And as we were going home, what so many parents do is you start to think through all the questions. The questions of, is my son gonna be okay? Is somebody gonna love my son? Even though he has this disability. How's he going to do in school? How's he going to do with this? It's so easy. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? So easy to go down that road and go, what about this, God? What about that? And over and over, I just heard it ringing in my head. Jack, do you trust me? Jack, I got a plan. Trust me. You see, in life, we're not always get the outcome that we want. Sometimes that's the reason why so many of our hope muscles are so weak. It's because in the past, we've put our hope in an outcome. Thinking that we put our hope in the Lord. The reality is, Like being in an ocean, right? You get these swells coming. 
10, 20, 30 feet. Kind of feels like life sometimes where you're just getting bobbed all around, right? And God throws you out of line, right? And he says, you want to take it? I heard one preacher say, you know, when you get to the, when you feel like your hope has got to the end of the road, you just need to tie it up. And then hold on, right? Can I tell you something? I can't say the seed work because I'm up here with the microphone, but it's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> Dan would knock me if I used the other words, so I got to be careful. But it's malarkey, why? Because guess what? If all you've got is that, you're gonna be able to hold on a little bit longer. But guess what? You're still operating in your own strength. You're still the one that's having to hold on. God doesn't want us, want our hope like this. He wants our hope like this. God, I am attached to you. You are attached to me. And where I go, you go. Where you go, I go. Doesn't that seem like it's the way it should be? So easy not to do because it's kind of human nature. But have I kind of helped you guys understand a little bit about hope? Now here's what we need to do. Jack, yep, there are times when I found my hope is more in an outcome than it is being attached to the world. Help me out, Jack. How do I get there? How do I find myself being attached to God? Well, to do that, it's an easy answer. Let me change that. It's a simple answer, but it's not always easy. We have to change our perspective of how we view God. Hope is about trust. And I think for some of us, we have a hard time trusting God because our perception of God is inaccurate. And I want to show you from the Word of God a couple key points to help you in getting your perspective if it's off on the right track. And it's found in Hosea. Okay, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background. First of all, does anybody in the Bible question whether the pastor really knows what he's talking about? Does it, do, how many of you guys think Hosea really is Hosea in the Bible? Is anybody like, I, I've never heard of it. You guys have all heard of Jose. You guys good. You guys know pastors preaching to you straight here. So I give you a line here. Jose is one of those like Old Testament books that hardly gets cracked open. And it's actually one of the last of the 12 books of the Old Testament. It's called the Minor Prophets. And it's simply called that simply because the books are shorter compared to the major prophets. Not because they're not important, just because they're shorter. Okay? This guy named Hosea, he's a prophet to the northern ten tribes of Israel. Okay, Just a quick little history on this one. Israel used to be one nation. Then after Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, they have a civil war. Ten tribes go to the north called Israel. Two tribes to the south called Judah because it was Judah and Benjamin. Judah was bigger. Okay, And so uh, uh, Hosea is specifically speaking to these ten northern tribes. Okay, and these people, a little history, about 200 years has gone by since the Civil War. 
And every single one of their kings has turned their back on God. Not a one of them followed God. So as a result, you can imagine how the people in Israel are doing. They're not doing very well. They keep turning their back on the Lord. They keep following after the Baals, the Ashtoreths, the Moloch's, all the false gods that are around Israel. They have a tendency of just worshiping all these false gods. And they're being unfaithful. They're sinning against the Lord. So, so Hosea comes on the scene about uh, 20 years before Israel actually fell to Assyria. And God's giving them a prophet to wake them up and say, hey, it's not too late. It's not too late. I still love you. I still want you. I am still pursuing you even though you have been unfaithful to me. Wow, how difficult is that? You a spouse? That's how your spouse be unfaithful to you. Trust isn't easy, is it? God says, Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to marry this wayward woman. That's the PG version. A woman who is not going to give only her love to you. We'll put it at that. And everybody around knows she's that kind of lady. And Hosea, man of God, prophet of God, you are to marry her. God, this is really going to hurt my reputation. God, this is really not going to be good for my career. Are you sure you want me to do this? Yes, I want you to do this. So he goes and he marries her, and sure enough, she does what she's been doing. And it's in that place where we pick up what God is trying to show, not only to the people of Israel then, but to his people today, who are sitting here struggling in their perception of God. And God, if you know what I have done, hello, he's God, here he knows. Okay. If you knew what I've done, would you still want to be attached to me? Chewing this up because this is good stuff here. Check it out up here. Hosea 2, 14 and 15. But then I, referring to God metaphorically, will win her back once again. When somebody's been unfaithful to somebody else, it's so natural for us to look and go. The person who did the messing should be the one coming back and proving their love to the one who did it right. But look at what God says. But I, God, the faithful one, will win her back once again. How many times will God forgive you? I can't say this with as much heart as I can as many times as you can. That is powerful. He will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert. Listen to this. Ah, oh, this is the heart of God right here. This is the right perspective to have of God. And speak tenderly to her there. Look at this. He will take her into the desert. Some people go, God, why are you taking me into the desert? 
God, if you're such a loving God, how can you bring me into the desert if you really love me? Think about this. Maybe he brought her into the desert to get her away from all of the other distractions so that he can't speak truth to her there. It's good. Sometimes in the deserts, sometimes in the wilderness, sometimes in the swells of life, is we find ourselves why we're able to trust God so much because maybe there's a lot of people around who wouldn't be faithful to you and you're able to see how much you can trust him. So he's going to take you to the desert. He's going to speak tenderly to her there. He's not going to rip her to shreds because of all the wrong things she's done. He's going to speak tenderly to her. That is our God. Why is it that sometimes we find ourselves struggling with trusting God? Sometimes it's because we feel so unworthy. But here's a perfect example of a very unworthy person who was found to be the object of God's love. And if you and I can stop sitting there in our sense of guilt and shame, and we can look and go, God, it's not because of my love, it's because of your love. I don't know about you, but that helps me feel like I can attach myself to that. Good? Is it exorbitant? Okay, so we go on. I will return her vineyards to her and transform. He's not going to dock her and pay. It's going to give her back what was right for yours. You and I, God wants to restore you and I. 100%. That's it. He's going to give her back her vineyards. He's going to transform her valley of trouble into a gateway. It's going to take it from trouble to hope. And notice that word, gateway. He didn't say I'm going to give her a gift of hope. He didn't say I'm going to give her a treasure chest of hope. He didn't say, um, I'm going to give you a one-time shot. It's a gateway. It's an open door. When you are attached to the Lord, you and I will find ourselves renewed time and time again because we are connected to the living God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is who he is, which I don't know about you. I'm really thankful that he's in control because if it was me, it wouldn't be me. But it's not because of me. It's because of him. And he wants to show you that love and that power over and over and over again. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young and I freed her for her captivity in Egypt. Sometimes you and I, we find ourselves in a wilderness because of our own giving. Sometimes it's self-induced, let's be honest. Sometimes we make dumb mistakes. Sometimes we choose poor decisions. We gotta deal with the consequences of it. Like Gomer. Oh, you messed up. You screwed up. If you're attached to God, he, He's going to help you through it. Sometimes it's God directed. You know, you saw earlier where it said that God will lead her into the desert. 
sometimes the wildernesses that we're in is something that God kind of orchestrated and you're, he's wanting to teach you something. But no matter which way it goes, if your hope is attached to the Lord, he's going to get you through it. He's going to get you through it. Chris, those people who are struggling with the obvious difficult things that are going on right now, God is going to help them get through it. He's going to help us get through it when you and I put our trust in Him. Here's what I want you to do right now. Think about this as we're kind of wrapping things up here. What is it in your life that you have had a hard time attaching to the Lord with? What is it in your life that you go, God, really haven't been connected with you in this? Could be financial, could be marriage, could be a friendship, could be a work relationship, could be a boss, could be a co-worker. What is it? to trust him. Hope is a confident expectation. It is a trusting. It's the saying, God, wherever you go, I will go with you. And I will be pulled through you. Think about this. When you're attached to something, whether you're in the ocean and you're connected to the big cruise line of, of Jesus, you know, or whatever picture you want to have of that awesome boat, not the little, you know, little paddle boat, but, you know, solid boat, right? Or whether you're attached to like a tow truck. Whatever you're attached to, let me, I was thinking about this last night, actually. Who's in control? The one that's driving you, right? Is it determining where you're going? Is it determining how fast and how slow you go? Isn't that the way a disciple of Christ should live? God, you lead, I'll follow. Let me tell you what, bring it back to Jojo here. 12 years on the other side of this attachment to the Lord in this area of my life. Now, let me tell you something. Being the preacher up here, I totally get that I'm in the same boat that you guys are. I've got a few hours in front of you of kind of studying this and kind of reading this out. But how many of you know we all got to live it? Right? And here's the truth. We can do one of two things with the Word of God. We can take it to heart and we can act on it and we can go with it or we can forget it. God's got a way of getting your attention somewhere else down the road. But I encourage you to do it now. But 12 years on the other side of judging. The doctor said he wouldn't be in a normal school, normal hearing school, Jojo myself. He wouldn't be in a normal hearing school at least until he was in fourth, third, fourth grade, something like that. Preschool, kindergarten is where Jojo ended up being. Audiologist, uh, Dion had again uh, speech therapy, hearing therapy for many days a week, three, five, or uh, Five days, a, five days a week. And the audiologist said he is like the poster child. And they got to a place where they could not help him anymore because he was so advanced. And here's the thing about wildernesses and being in a wilderness attached to the Lord 
and connecting is that even though you might find yourself struggling throughout the journey, you will see small miracles all along the way. And we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And to this day, we are still amazed at how God has just guided and directed JoJo in his steps into hearing. And to this day now, he's got nuclear implants, he speaks totally fine, he communicates totally fine, it's good. But you know what? That's a lot easier to say on this side of the wilderness than it was on the beginning of the wilderness, right? But you gotta go through it. And guess what? Dion's and my trust muscle when it comes to that has grown stronger and stronger and stronger. Just had a recent thing happen where um, we were concerned about one of his implants, his external piece um, was shorted out and we thought that maybe it was an internal piece. And an internal piece is a whole other surgery and a whole other $110,000. Okay, obviously insurance covers the majority of it. But the point B, you gotta put your son under the knife again. That's no fun for him. But guess what? He's good. And you know, it was Dion sitting over there, oh no, I just don't have that faith that you do, Jack, you know, that hope, that hope, that hope. And it's just that hope muscle has been built over time because the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jack, don't be alarmed. You're not going to like what you hear. But trust me, have a plan. My question to you is this. Are you putting your trust in an outcome? Or are you putting your trust in the living God? My encouragement to you is attach yourself to Him. Let Him guide you through it and pull you through it and give you the strength that you need for whatever situation like this. You will find your hope strengthened more and more. Rather than sitting there going, God, I expected you to do this now, God. Because sometimes he's going to give you what you want. And guess what? Sometimes he's not. I'd rather just trust him. Amen? Here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to take just a few minutes here. Ryan, I think we're good. Um, we're going to sing one song. And during this time, this is what I'd like to do. It's going to be a little bit different. Hopefully you guys are okay with different. I would like you guys to think about what is one thing in your life that you're like, God, I could really do a little bit better job of attaching myself to you rather than to an Can you guys think of something? Some of you will be able to think of it. Some of you will be like, I can't think of anything right now. And that's fine. Shelter for another time. But here's what I'd like to do. Let's pray for one another. Because one of the cool things about church is when the body is the body of Christ. And sometimes it's as simple as a smile, as saying something nice. Sometimes it's praying for somebody. Sometimes it's when you see somebody who needs something that you reach out to and you give them something. So let's just take a couple minutes here. And if you would like prayer, would you just raise your hand? And then there'll be people around you the pastors, but the people who are just going to come around and pray for you. You can share with them whatever you want. It could be just, hey, I don't really want to go into detail of it, but it's, you know, I could really use some help in my finances or in my job or whatever the case may be, something very simple like that. And they'll pray for you. If you feel like you want to give a little bit more detail, feel free to, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. But I just felt like the best way to end this one 
just the body being born. Lifting up one another. Because how many of you know, this is a simple message. It's really simple. Attach yourself to the Lord, not to an outcome. We got it? How many of you know it's not always easy? We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes having brothers and sisters in Christ gather around praying for you is something that help gives you the jumpstart, the oomph, the power you need to kind of get engaged with that. Amen? Yeah, I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. And let's just take a little time and worship the Lord. And if you need prayer, raise your hand. Your brothers and sisters around you, your friends around you will gather around. Amen?